way I like to say it is it's it's an industry full of people who like to jump off a cliff and figure out how to build an airplane on the way down. So we are here at the Beer Research Institute in Mesa. We're in the new part of the brewery, right? Yeah, the expansion. The expansion. Mesa's finest sports bar. It is. It is Mesa's finest sports bar. Indeed it is. That was just the new thing that I saw somebody put up, right? They're the the best sports bar in Mesa. Yeah, I heard that was on, someone had said that on a podcast. It definitely wasn't me. Oh, really? (laughs) What does Matt think about that? Well, you know, Matt likes to provide an experience, so, you know. Yeah. It's hard to get an opinion out of Matt, though, so who really knows? (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. It is very true. Yeah, I've seen him like 20 times in my life. He never says anything, you know? (laughs) Unless there's a table to stand on. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But, dude, this expansion's great. Like, I was... Oh, it's beautiful. I was blown away that they made as many beers as they did on that system that they had. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had 15 to 20 on tap pretty much at all times. And they have, like, a little closet over there that they were hammering shit out of. Yeah, they have a pretty tenacious uh, beer schedule that gets uh, followed pretty regularly. So. Yeah. It's good stuff, too. What are we drinking here? What is this? Uh, this is Vamanos, their new um, uh, Mexican lager with lemon drop hops uh, with some lime zest. It is a delightful treat. Man, that's really good. Yeah, because, like, I've had Mexican lagers before, but that lemon zest in there, lemon drop. Lemon drop hop, hop with a lemon. lime zest. Wow. The lime. I like that. The touch the, the, the lime at the end is <clears throat> is very nice. Um, I think it'd be a little bit of a different beer without it and a little uh, change in dry hop, but yeah. this is super crushable. In fact, <laughs> it's all I've been drinking <laughs> since it came out. So. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> well, you were saying before, too, that they, they weren't going to do lagers, right? There's at some point where, where they hadn't planned on it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, I can't say for sure. I know that in the past, Matt's been a West Coast ale, uh, farmhouse-driven kind of guy. So yeah. to see him kind of coming into the loggers is super fun. Uh, Colby uh, and Greg brew some great beers. So I'm always excited to you know see something new and fun on draft from, from these guys. And yeah. now with the expansion, I'm sure that they've got the capacity for it, too, because that was yeah. a big part of it before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, loggers require a, a massive amount of capacity. Yeah, most people don't even touch them. They're just like, they want that turnover Right. Yeah, it's like it's anywhere from like twelve to seventeen days versus anywhere from like forty-five to fifty-five. Um, you know, comparing to just like a normal ale rest or you know even uh, a quick Berliner could be through, be done ten, eleven days. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's in 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 tank space, especially when you're growing and and, and you're in an industry like this that's booming so hard and kind of flatlining for growth into some realistic numbers after all these years. Um, those tanks are real estate, and every yeah. day they're full and not producing another beer. Or and, the, and while there's a demand for it on the back end, I mean, it's it's it really doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, when you start to make uh, a bunch of loggers <clears throat> until you have the room to to kind of support that. Or if you go in mindful of of, of what kind of space that requires. But uh, good to see some great people brewing some some great loggers to add to the Arizona catalog. Yeah, I am phenomenally impressed with this beer. I it, cannot stop talking about it. It is great, and it's usually the type of beer that I seek out first when I go to a new brewery. A lager? A, a lager, yeah. um, because it's, it's a sign of, uh, of the brewer and their skill, because yeah. you can't hide behind anything in there. Mm-mm. Very true. Like the Pilsner, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. I, uh, I'm blown away by that, too, because it it, there's more flavor to that than most lagers you, 
you. Yeah, it just have. it just has this subtle finish that is it, that is both refreshing and uh, curious to start. Um, I thought I might uh, might wear me out at first, but uh, I've had my fair share of these since it's been tapped, <laughs> <laughs> nice. and I just you know I keep coming back to it. Uh, and I and I, I do have you know a house favorite here at BRI uh, that might surprise people, but. Uh, which I, is? Forido Jean. For, uh, <laughs> it's, it's literally it's not a uh, what I drink. No. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, why is that a surprise, Alex? It's definitely not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I, I've just been hammering this back. I mean, it's, plus, I mean, it's summertime. I'd like to have one or two more, uh, especially if I'm, if I'm going to, you know, hang out and have fun. Yeah. I can have one or two more of these if I'm not drinking Forido G. Plus, how, I mean, it how, just tastes great. How big is this beer? Uh, I think it's 5%. I don't want to speak out of school, and I don't have a menu in front of me. But, hey, uh, Jenna. Jenna, get over here. <laughs> I have a tester here on my, I got an app for testing alcohol levels. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so we didn't even introduce you guys. Who? Uh, let's start with you, Alex. Who, who are you? What do you do? Uh, I, I'm Alexander Phillips. Uh, I, I'm the director of sales and marketing, national accounts for the Grand Canyon Brewing Company. Also uh, co-owner of Stonecutter Industries, um, along here with. I'm Dan Chenier. I work for Ballast Point Brewing Company. Uh, cover the great state of Arizona, and uh, I'm the other part of Stonecutters Industries. Nice. nice. You guys have been buddies for a while, right? Yes. I mean, acquaintances. <laughs> we've been we, we've been known to hang out a time or two. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I got here, um, and I was asking Jenna uh, from BRI. I'm like, you know, are the guys here? They're like, no. You guys were just hanging out on the patio and catching up, right? You guys hadn't seen each other in a while. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the. I think the six seven minutes we had back there is the longest I've seen Dan in about six months. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. A lot contrary, of our contrary to popular belief, we do not, in fact, have an apartment or <laughs> perfect stranger style. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, uh, technology allows you to be friends with people even when they don't live close. You know, a lot of our hanging out is done via tagging each other in memes. Uh, posting memes and then sending memes to each other's wives. So uh, yeah. you know, mostly memes, <laughs> mostly memes, and there's some texting. Uh. Right. <laughs> well, memes is a great way to communicate too, right? Because you're sending messages, but it's also a laugh and it's yeah. a hidden art form. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that if you if internet culture is your thing and you get it, I think that memes are a great fun way to just have fun and kind of jab and poke fun at life and. You know, I saw a meme yesterday that was when it's like when you want to show someone a meme, but it's a tier three meme, and you have to explain seven years of internet culture to somebody <laughs> just so they could get it. Yeah. It kind of makes you sit back and think for a second that you know internet culture itself is 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 real and and uh, it's a fun way, especially to just kind of communicate overarching messages because you can go into like a beer uh, nerd group, right? And there's just memes that I'll never get for days because. Yeah you know, I'm not part of their, their group or I don't have that sort of same knowledge level. And it's kind of fun when you think about it, you know, like mechanics have their own, you know, all, all, all sorts of life. And that's why I love going on Reddit and checking that stuff out, especially yeah. like the, uh, the, uh, the Russia, like Slavic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. And it's great because memes actually kind of gave birth to the whole stonecutters things too. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. What is, what is, yeah. So you guys started stonecutters. <laughs> so stonecutters was, uh, basically birthed out of the idea for Alex and I to be able to spend more time together hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Outside and of the apartment. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not cuddling in our, our, our single hammock. <laughs> in the hammock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of an arbitrage that is, is, is becoming easier to nail down the further we get down it. But I mean, um, so I guess the first arm of it became like we just wanted to like do fun projects like t-shirts or calendars and you know, 
we can circle back to the Beard War later, but that was, you know, that was kind of birthed in this moment, too. And um, then it kind of became like a, kind of a way to hang out and not have to pay for therapy. Right. You know, so <laughs> that's, why, that's why our podcast is called Dr. Doctor. Okay. Because, I mean, that's usually how we greet each other. But it's also cheaper than therapy. And, it, you know, it's a good time. We just, we, we know a lot of great, interesting iconoclasts and trailblazers and just these amazing people that we've met through the industry or just through stumbling through life, failing upwards or however it is. And I've had some really incredible conversations with just some really incredible people. And sometimes it feels selfish to just be the only one who heard it. You know? And not necessarily just with beer either. There's people from all walks of life, uh, people um, that know about baseball, people that have started businesses, people that are musicians, artists, uh, and just with amazing stories. And like Alex said, you know, stories that we want to share with everybody. Yeah. So, so you guys have a podcast. We have a podcast. Uh, I mean, uh, it just, you know, it's like a speakeasy podcast. You, you have to know somebody to get it. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, you know, <laughs> if, if anyone knows me and Dan and the Stonecutters, it's, you know. We're idea last guys. Sex and, <laughs> last second execution. The execution is always glorious. Yeah. So just stay tuned, obviously. Right. But, uh, we're, we're just kind of getting some stuff recorded and, and bagged and just kind of like, you know, realizing our mistakes. You know, don't eat on All the mic. Them. I get it, honey. I won't do it again. Right. Uh, <laughs> don't need another mic, you said? No, don't eat on the mic. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was going to offer you a sandwich uh, today. Right. Uh, that's not a wise idea. <laughs> but, you know, and things like, you know, uh, places that might, you know, uh, don't record on a patio in a busy restaurant in downtown Phoenix. Uh, for yeah. Instance. Um, I mean, just, but still, I mean, still stuff we want to put out and content that, you know, we'll, we'll make available once we kind of get going with it. But uh, again, it just, it's kind of, it's kind of a lot of different things. You know, there's, uh, and Dan can speak a little more to it since, I mean, he drives a, a lot of the ideas and I'll kind of let him talk about the six pack idea. But a lot of our stuff is charity driven too. I mean, it feels ridiculous to live this life and not give everything back if you can. And so uh, we also use stone cutters to kind of like focus and give some attention exactly and specifically like when we do the, uh, um, geez, I can't even remember right now. The um, Make America Warm Again. There it is. Make America Warm Again. And then um, we did a, we did a sock thing that Dan had set up over it. I mean, you could really take over most of this again. You are the guy here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just realized we're, we're incredibly blessed. And, yeah, we have these jobs that they are real jobs. I, I promise you. It's, but it's, they, they are. It's not just beer. It's not just Stop. all drinking and partying and making friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a lot of it. Yeah. But uh, it gives a lot of flexibility to the schedule. And then we get to tie things in. So... There's uh, an account out in the far West Valley, Ground Control. And, oh, yeah. And Ian's lost a lot of weight. I mean, Alex was the first person. He lost 100 pounds. And oh, no shit. I just sat and watched nice. him shrink away to, to nothing. And, and then I kept putting it off and putting it off. And then uh, Ian started losing weight. Then I lost some weight. And between the three of us, we lost over 300 pounds. Damn. And uh, so we did a, a fundraising where we did an event. They brought in beers. And we asked everybody to bring packages of socks. And we had three giant trash bags full of brand new socks nice. uh, just to give out to people. Yeah. Um, things like that. We did Make America Warm Again at Christmas time where we did a blanket drive and sock drive. And then Alex and I and uh, my friend Michael, we went down um, to Central Arizona Shelter Services and we just handed them out. I took my kids out of school. We went down there and it was one of the most terrifying events that I've ever done. Really? Just because you go 
just the sheer amount of people. You know you're doing something good for people, but when there's so many people around and, and, and you're just giving them something as simple as a blanket or a jacket, but it's going to mean the world to them over the next couple weeks, like, that's just incredible. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, because socks are a huge demand for, for homeless people, right? Like, you oh, don't absolutely. Realize, like, yeah, you don't realize that that's like pretty much number one, right? I well, mean, I, I know how fe- good I feel when I get a brand new pair of socks oh, and yeah. slide it on. Yeah. And I, when, when you're out there in the heat or the cold and you haven't had a new pair of socks and f- who knows how long. Like, yeah. That's simple. Yeah. We gave away about 50 pairs of gloves like in two minutes when we did the first Make America Warm Again, and then all the socks were gotten very shortly after. I mean, you know, hands and feet, it, it definitely, you know, makes a difference. Uh, and seeing just the gratitude on ev- almost everybody's faces. <laughs> almost. <laughs> there, there is one particular incident, and, and I mean, we should absolutely talk about it because it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, literally, we're, we're just handing out people, and I mean, it's overwhelming, and I mean, it's, it's overwhelming because people are grateful, it's overwhelming because there are more people than you realize were standing there. And people are in worse shape than, and and, and you you, you want to help, and you know you're, you're always limited to what you can do. And then you know just just before you're about to start crying, you get some guy that walks over and he's like, "Hey, I'm an artist. Do you have any name brand stuff?" Oh, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wait for a silver lining here, uh, so I don't just start crying in the street. And, yeah. Uh, thank you. And I was like, and also no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't bring any Armani for uh, any Armani. Stuff. So this guy was homeless, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. but he was an he was an artist and he was I, or was he just I'm, I mean listen I don't I don't want to I don't want to say he's not right because you know it's in your heart but right. <laughs> I mean also I mean, spoiler you, alert you, 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 spoiler. you can probably paint in Nikes I'm right. just saying right yeah that's very true that is very true so well that's awesome you guys are doing these things like the, that you're because you have a great network right like the beer community is awesome it's and you meet amazing. so many people since I started doing this I can't I, I was surprised at the the avenues that takes you down, right? Like we, we went and visited um, uh, Chip up at Sanagua Malt up in Verity Valley. Uh, so you've got, dude, yeah. Riz- oh, it's such an awesome dude. Yeah. You've got ri- river conservation. Then you've got the farms, like Steadfast Farms. Mm-hmm. And I think, was it Reba Farms is another one that's involved in a lot. But uh, Yeah, I mean, even Hayden Flour Mills, you know, makes yeah. uh, the, the Sonoran um, wheat that nearly went extinct, you know, that was brought back with the help of uh, Arizona Wilderness. And, uh, you know, I'll be damned, that, that wheat makes for great kettle souring. I mean, it is fantastic uh, to use. And I mean, that doesn't happen, you know, without, you know, some involvement from the beer community, from the beer community and, you know, uh, Agritopia itself, you know, which has 12 West sitting on top of it, you know, that, you know, is is another way that it's just driving back and, you know, using the local citrus and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I've done some projects with Noel in the past and, you know, we always try to tap into the farm and any, you know, local provider that you can have. And, you know, you're always trying to, Involve someone in the process, uh, you know, who, who lives in your backyard. You know, the guy who prints my glassware, I can drive a mile from my front door and pick up some glassware tomorrow. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it, 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 the beer community is full of just incredible people that you want to, you, you always want to help people in your backyard. And it's just, it's, it's just so much more mindful and prevalent in, at the forefront of everyone's mind here, I think, that when you... When you make a decision, you're mindful about what partners you decide to get involved with because, you know, we're, we got all this, all this is on the line, you know, you know, Dan's invested his life into, you know, the, the, the beer industry and every time, you know, you can help out your own community, it only, you know, gives back tenfold. Yeah. So, yeah. Great people. 
Well, I don't think anybody's in this to get rich either, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. I, th- I can't remember who I was talking to, but I, one of the interviews I did, I said that. And or the person just said, if you're in this to get rich, you're really dumb. Because <laughs> right? it's, it's not a money-making. I mean, it, 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 it creates something that can be a sustainable. You, you can provide a, a, a life for yourself in this right. business. Yeah. But you have to love the grind. Yes. Rich in friendship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. R- 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 rich in experiences. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, to, to be fair, like, you know, um, knowledge and experience are two of the most, you know, things that have intrinsic value to me. And that's, you know, that's really what it is. If you can, if you love the grind, and that's my whole thing, is like, if you don't love putting out fires, doing this every day, it's time to get out. You know, because, you know, as much as it it frustrates me and drives me crazy sometimes, like, I've done a lot of stuff. I've worked for some real shit people, and I've worked with some real shit people. And at the end of the day, uh, I am happier at my neck as deep as shit in this industry than I have been even ankles full anywhere else. And you you just got to love it, man, right? It's a labor of love, and that's where it starts. And if you can do that, and I mean, I think if you can do that with most things, but the beer community is just full of excellent people that will pull you up. You know, you're starting to start a brewery. Text 10 dudes that have one and ask for their business plan. You'll probably get one. Yeah. You know, and, and then, you know, just use it as a template. And, like, it's crazy stories like that, you know, that you hear that just really kind of remind you that getting out of this is probably real dumb. Oh, it's right. ruined me on having any kind of real job, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I could. I mean, you know, good thing I don't know how to tie a noose because if I ever had to go back somewhere, right. like, I just don't know. Like, especially just being able to, like, morph a schedule to be, you know, more conservative to your company time, you know, be more efficient there in, in, in your home life. And then on top of that, just be surrounded by people who, at the end of the day, mostly are trying to help you. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Absolutely. I, I quit my job a week and a half ago. My full-time job, yeah. And, like, people are saying, well, you know, you making money with the podcast, with Arizona Food and Beer. I'm like... Not yet. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know? It's the long play. Oh, it is. It totally is. And the last week and a half has been phenomenal. Like I'm more motivated to do stuff than I've ever been. I'm doing it on my own time, on my own, on my own standards, my own rules. Uh, and my wife loves it too. She's like, you're happy. She's like, I haven't seen you happy in 10 years pretty much, you know? That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. But, and, but I wouldn't have done it had I not been exposed to this beer community. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's, it's amazing. The way I like to say it is it's, it's an industry full of people who like to jump off a cliff and figure out how to build an airplane on the way down. Right. <laughs> and I love That's a it. good way to put it. Right, yeah. man? I mean, because, I mean, like you just said, you become more motivated. You know, it's all on the line now. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm 60 bad days away from it all going to shit. Yeah. You know, and I think most of us are. At the end of the day, breweries are more like farms than they are restaurants. People get it confused. Mm, good, you know, good you've got millions of dollars in tanks and equipment. It's going to take the better part of 20 years to pay off, and that's assuming you don't take out more debt to grow. Yeah. And, you know, you're basically hooked in for life because you've just bought a farm. Right. You know, no one buys a farm to turn it over, you know, and, and, and you know, sell, sell out to Monsanto in, 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 20, <laughs> you know, in 20 years. That's not the game plan. Right. You know, so I, I think that sometimes people kind of lose sight of that and, like, what's really at stake and why everyone, like, is so deeply embedded in. But, I mean, again, that's what makes it great is that, you know, you're committed. Right. And, you know, I, I just love it. Is there even another industry like this? Because I've tried to think of one, and I, you know, like you said, a lot of people compare it to restaurant. Restaurant industry is completely different than you know, um, than craft beer. I mean, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Uh, who knows though? Like, because I, <laughs> I haven't been part of that world. <laughs> right. Right. It's awesome though. I, I love. I love being part of it. It's. It's just you know, um, you know, guys like you that are making a difference, selling great beers, but also 
the Beardoir calendar. We got to talk about that. We touched on that Absolutely. a bit. Yeah. So that, that is like one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Like my wife is like, what the hell is that? The guy from that brewery this last year with, I think he had like on the uh, jean jacket vest. Oh, yes. Mark LaRue. No, he, he had a, he had on some real, Short real shorts, Daisy Dukes, and he's just that. that yeah, he, look. Just, he just had that real, that look like, yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> he owned it though, man. He oh yeah, owned he did. It. He he owned every inch of that page. Oh, dude, for sure, cowboy boots and all. It was it was glorious. Yeah, was I feel good. like he was sweating too. Like it was uh, whether or not you could see it or not, he was he was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is that? Like, what is it? it you guys have done it, what, two years? That was a, yeah, so two we've years, done okay. it two. We've got uh, year three in planning stages. And it fills up pretty quick, right? Like, people who want to get... what, like an, an hour? We filled yeah. up the whole calendar? Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's about an hour between me having to, like, return texts of people to answer some pretty basic questions. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, (laughs) and uh you know just 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 to kind of get keep everyone happy you know and you know because people will kind of give you some some half-assed commitment you know minute one and it's like well you have like 30 minutes because i'm like getting blown up right now because there's only 13 spots but there's like 40 people that wanted to be a part Uh, of it so how do you decide well i mean it's first come first serve i mean you pay for your slot right and so that's you know the from the calendar's origins you know it's kind of morphed into this this way for the Arizona community to kind of come together. I mean, it's collaborative heavy, right? It's, it's all volunteered time. It, it raises money for a great cause. and Volunteer time from posing to taking the picture to the editing to the getting the printed, distributed. Uh, volunteer time from the release to getting the calendars every sent every single yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the only costs we really have are that to produce the calendar. And so we just ask that breweries that are going to schedule into our calendar, have a little skin in the game, you know, commit. Because if, if, if you pay me for the calendar and then you don't commit, I don't, I don't feel bad about it because either something probably did come up or, you know, however the case. But, you know, I can't, you know, I can't have... The first year was kind of flaky. Uh, I had about 20 people rotate in and out of, you know, deciding that they were going to be a part of it. And so the next year, we did it, sold out in like 35 minutes, and I had nobody, uh, you know you know, try to back out or, yeah. or say they didn't want to do it or couldn't make time. They, they made time. They found time to do it. And again, it's, it's not a lot. You can just write it off. And again, it's all, it, 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 all of the money, you know, goes to the Teresa Soros Legacy Foundation. And, and that goes to help out people in the industry, you know, in our community who find themselves in need, which something's larger, always happening. Yeah. Our community yeah. grows larger. And, and, and exactly to Dan's point, there's always someone who can use a little help. So, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I'm trying to make a, a play to get a local uh, partner involved on a larger scale this year. You know, uh, with a with a brick and mortar space, and we'll see what comes of that. Um, <laughs> Meaning what? Sh- like, what do you mean brick and mortar space? Like to do the shoot or no, no, oh. to to kind of give access to to, to sell more calendars. Oh, uh, gotcha. You okay. Know, to to kind of have a place where people can go and get them rather than just the single release and some mail out. Oh, I see what just, you're saying. Just trying, trying to scale up, trying to trying to make it more legit and have it be more relevant to you know doing what it's supposed to do i i'd like to i'd like this thing to outlive me for sure yeah so more kind of like thing because when when you got the calendar like you you pre-ordered or you got it at the shop right but then if people saw it they're like oh dude where do i get that like oh, they're already sold out right where you're looking to alleviate that where it's like hey you can go here to to still get it where we right? want to make it accessible for everybody yeah yeah, yeah. 
and they were they were hilarious. Like the pictures are, and it was who was was it Michael Ann from the shop? Did a lot of she shot a lot of the photography. She yeah. helped. She did the editing uh, for yeah. the first two years as well. And the great thing too, especially the progression from year one to year two, uh, we just give we give everybody a theme, like yeah. a main idea. Everybody's idea for their month, like they came up with that on their own, and oh. that's just pure pure genius on everybody's part. Yeah. What was the theme? What was the theme this year? This year's theme is adventure. What was oh the the one that the one that just came out? No, the coming years. No. What was that one? What was the theme for the one that came out last? So so I guess to just add a little clarity to the overall structure, uh, kind of like the American Horror Story series. Um, <laughs> Beard War Year One was uh, brew house. It was just all about brewers being, you know, boudoir style, tongue in cheek. And what br- is boudoir? It, it's it's that sexy. You know, like what is it? The window seal, like in lingerie, soft focus, kind of like yeah, French. Uh, it's, it's, it's 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 yeah. like a Sexy very time French specific <laughs> style of like uh, photography. Glamour shots for like the 18th century. Kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. 19th and, century glamour and, shots for big hairy dudes. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you throw people from the beer industry. You know, uh, and even if you work out, I mean, drinking's not you know generally conducive to staying in perfect health. Right. Uh, so you know, you, we you can't all look like Chad from Goldwater. I know. Right. That, guy. <laughs> that guy, him and Michael from that. I don't know how they do it. Right. Probably by working out. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we thought it'd be funny to you know do the keep the boudoir theme, but just kind of change that focus, right? Yeah. So instead of like changing it year two, we just did okay. We'll do boudoir again, but it's outdoor this time. Okay. And and then so any outdoor thing kind of worked. You know, Brandon Richter did a thing in, in a in a car outdoors because that's yeah. the theme of his brewery, which was neat to kind of tie that in. And, you know, um, the guys from BJ's went and rode their bikes at the top of Papago and posed there because they like to do that. It was kind of fun. And then, yeah. so this year is adventure-specific. Adventure. Um, I'm hoping that this adds a bit more of a cosplay element to the game <laughs> <laughs> for anyone listening. Um, <laughs> Suggestions. But, you know, uh, it's just, it, it's, you know, again, it's an arbitrage that I just want someone to be like, okay, like, again, just the beard name, beer names from the the World Cup, which you know I know is one of Dan's favorite activities. Oh yeah, year. you sit there and you stream like GABF for the World Cup and uh, choose winning beer names from yeah. the. Just by name alone. I, I mean, I dunkled yeah. in my pants is probably the best <laughs> every year, it, and it wins a medal every year. It's 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 hard not to just love that one. <laughs> But, you know, and you see that kind of creativity. So I, I, I don't like to lock people up. I don't like to tell people how to cook in their own kitchen, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so just a little bit of focus, boudoir, adventure, get out there, you know. And yeah. and year two when everyone, year one, you know, people kind of got it. Yeah. Uh, year two, people definitely got it. Well, that's probably why you had less people back out in year two because they saw what happened year one, like the oh, result. Year one, nobody knew what the heck we were doing. Yeah. And you guys nobody really wanted. people in a back room taking pictures of them. <laughs> Which isn't weird off. at all. I mean. <laughs> I mean, Michael Ann would show up and just tell dudes to take off their clothes unexpectedly. And so, I mean, there was hey, you know miscommunication. I, I can't find a babysitter. I can't make it, guys. Like, they're outside of the warehouse looking in. Like, I think shit. we had one of those, actually. Did you? Yeah, so it was like, oh, I didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. So, um, you guys have both been in Arizona beer for a while, right? Like, you started with, did you start with Mother Road, Dan? So, I started... I start. I was born as a young black boy, and um, no, I, I started uh, at Bevmo. That's where my beer okay. career started. Uh, just running the register there. Six weeks later, I got the whole beer department. Um, nice. Was what running year, that. How long ago was this? This was 2012. Okay. 
And then a mutual friend uh, had opened, a mutual friend of a friend had opened up uh, a brewery up in Flagstaff and they introduced me and got that ball rolling. And so then I worked for Mother Road and worked for them for a while. And then uh, when my boss moved from uh, LA area to Arizona for Ballast Point, uh, he didn't know anybody here in Arizona. So my name had come up through several people that he should reach out to. So we chatted and, and Ballast Point was one of the first breweries that I fell in love with when I found out about craft beer. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I call it stumbling uphill. Like I never yeah. could have planned any of this. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Ballast Point's solid too. Like I, I, Ballast Point was the first expensive beer that I got. Right. So my buddy was like, dude, you got to try. I believe the, the word is premium. Premium. <laughs> the premium. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, try the double IPA, the Dorado watermelon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, 15 bucks for a six-pack. I'm like, I don't know. It took me like six months to actually make that jump. And then I did. I'm like, holy shit, this is good. Now I'm buying four packs for $22. <laughs> so uh, my wife's like, isn't there anything like cheaper out there? I'm like, yeah, cheaper. But then I have to drink 20 of them. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but no, that was, that was kind of my, and it's interesting because Mother Road was my, like, that was my my brewery that I fell in love with to get into craft oh, yeah. beer. Yeah, because my in-laws lived up in Flagstaff, so we had pound those, as I call it, blackout IPAs. Because <laughs> after about three or four in that elevation, it's like, holy shit. That's a big beer to drink, too. It is. It is. And it, I think at happy hour, it's like $3 for like 72 ounces or however big those glasses <laughs> are. But it's so good, <laughs> right? I mean, do the I, math. I obviously got to get there sometime. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but and then how about you, Alex? Like, how did you start in craft beer? Oh, well... I believe it was the Equinox. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it. I mean, I'll just kind of skip through the the, the part that I normally spend three and a half hours describing. But <laughs> I mean, I started in kitchens real young. That drove me to culinary school. Went to SCI. Came out of that. Started bartending. That led me to Chandler, where I started um, working at Iguanamax, uh, which is where most people know me from. If it's not here, uh, I started running craft beer programs there. After uh, my life was changed, uh, after drinking a few uh, handful of craft beers, uh, Old Chubbs, Scott ESB, Lakefront Organic ESB, uh, Sierra Stout, we'll get shout outs for those. Uh, just a handful, uh, Andy Gator from Abita. Uh, and so I just That's started, good. I started running craft beer Mondays there. You know, I got to run like, I got a, a small space in the cooler to be able to like control like a, a bottle menu as long as we were selling out through them by the next you know week. And then I got one draft handle, and it went well for a while, you know, and, and we did well. And, um, you know, there were some ownership changes, so I left there. I went downtown Chandler. I, a buddy of mine was opening up a Coach and Willie's. I helped advise him on some craft beer options. Um, went and helped be part of the original opening bar staff at D.C. Steakhouse. And then eventually made my way over to Murphy's Law because I just couldn't get out of downtown Chandler. Um, <laughs> was running their craft program for a while and then helped with the conversion to Irish Republic, which they've now converted back from after Roger sold it. Um, so it's just kind of like myriadly around in the craft beer industry. I mean, James Swan, I remember him coming to me, selling me Santan Hefeweizen and ceramic growlers. Oh, like that's, really? That's how long ago this was. Yeah, he Damn. was... He, they, it was he or the rep there? Well, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, he, was, he was the first sales rep for Santan, and, and, you know, he was tenacious as could be, and, you know, if Iguanamax is right around the corner from the Hungry Monk and the Watering Hole, and a lot of the places James dominated for Santan for a very long time. And, yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I had this immense love for craft beer, and I was like, well, this shit isn't going anywhere. 
I'm going to go make money. Right? So, <laughs> you mean this shit as in craft beer? Yeah, I just, okay. it wasn't yeah. taken off. You know, I, yeah. I think this is right. I, I, you know, Sierra Nevada and, 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 um, and Big Sky um, had just both put beer into cans. And that, to me, was the sign of the times, you know. Um, and I was like, oh, it's here. The craft beer revolution's here, finally. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was, chips, I was chips bartender <laughs> at DC Steakhouse. Uh, Chip from Huss. Chip, I, oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember him telling me about the craft beer program or, or Can Craft Festival, and and I was like, I think it's a great idea. I just, I was like, I just don't think craft's going anywhere anymore. Yeah. Like, I just, and so, you know, that's kind of where my head was at. And so I went to Telecom, and I actually had ended up meeting some dudes into craft beer there. Um, that helped me kind of get a, a career track into supervisor <laughs> really fast, wow, and nice. uh, hated it, hated it. Wanted to hang myself every day, and then wouldn't you know it. Um, my old buddy John Peasley from high school uh, we got together uh, after years of not seeing each other and he's just like hey I need someone to come help me for, with this brewery uh, and that was in 2012 December 2012 is when I started with Grand Canyon Brewing he's Company he's the founder of, of Grand Canyon John Peasley yeah, okay, he's yeah. the founder of Grand Canyon Brewing Company and we, yeah. we, we went to high school together we'd known each other as kids um, I had been doing a ton of work and craft uh, I was kind of looking to peek my head back in just because I'd always wanted to be part of his brewery but a long time ago, before you know, some separations, uh, it used to be him and his brothers, uh, which it is no longer. But back then, I mean, they didn't need anybody else. They had a lot of people doing other things. Those guys have moved on to some, some other projects. Uh, and that kind of gave room for me to come in and see if I couldn't do something with it, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. And you're loving it, right? You love... Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, any, <laughs> anyone who's met me uh, knows my passion for this is just unhinged. I just, I'm obsessed with the process. I'm obsessed with the game. I'm obsessed with... What everyone in Arizona is doing with with craft, with you know, from regional to you know everything, I just I'm obsessed with it. I love it. So, what do you think? Like, what do you think spawned? Because so I was doing some research as far as like figures, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a general knowledge of number of craft breweries and stuff, but I think in 2011 there was like 33 breweries in Arizona. Yeah. Right now there's 100 plus, I think, at this point. Yeah, there's like over 108 active licenses. Okay. I think it is or locations. It, so locations, meaning like if you have like two or three locations, then... Yeah, like, I mean, you know, yeah. Four Peaks has like three different buildings. Yeah. Know, things like that. So what do you think it was? Like, what, what do you think spawned it in Arizona specifically? Uh, Arizona specifically? No. Uh, I'm not too sure. Um, I mean, I'm sure if I put pen to thought on that for a second, maybe um, just access to market. I think a lot of what everything has to do with the way it happened for like six unanswered years of growth and the way things were kind of moving is you know, a lot of people forget that worldwide instantaneous communication didn't come around until 2007. That's mm-hmm. when Twitter's born. Okay. That's when we kind of figure out that we can put uh, a program for everyone to communicate instantly in everyone's hands. It's, it's a huge pivotal moment in the world. Is I mean, is, it's a watershed moment. Is Unless I'm wrong, then someone just please let me know. But right. <laughs> so well, every, so too, everybody right? became more connected. You could see what, what was working uh, across the country. And if it's working there, why isn't it going to work here? Yeah, you can okay. communicate with your peers faster. You know, people can, you know, like the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild and getting SB 1030, you know, accomplished. That doesn't happen without instantaneous communication. That doesn't happen without, you know, social media outreach to your communities. You know, being part of your community... And that might be more of what it is in Arizona, uh, is you know being able to reach your community, yeah. and, and 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 tell your story and, and and touch them and meet them and see them and you know when you when you come into the Beer Research Institute, you know you only got to come here a handful of times to know who owns this place, right. you know, 
and uh, and, and it's because you know talking it, about Jenna, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but, but but it's because there's a sense of you know involvement and it, you know the owners are here working and and have their hands in it and you know, want to be part of the process. You come here on any of their busiest days of the year, you know you see some of the other partners you know washing dishes and things like that. But you but it's it's community driven, right? So with social media. You have this enormous access to market, and you're seeing a lot of that happen now with brick and mortar closing, and things like that. And I think that, again, when you have a business that is driven by community and collaboration, or at least it is for me, uh, and I think that a lot of people in in, in this current movement are on that same page. Um, I think that that's what you kind of get. Um, is you know you kind of get this this large boom where everyone's kind of like, you know, it's in the general zeitgeist of everything. You know, everyone's kind of thinking it. It's in the ether, and then. You know, it just starts being, you know, and then once in Arizona, banks started believing in us. And that, that's ah, what okay. really happens. I mean, you now have brewery specific lenders. I, I've been stopped by more people at CBC that were like, we specialize in lending to brewers. And I'm like, I bet you do. Right. And, but but who, who wouldn't? I mean, it, it's just smart. I mean, you know, we, you know, we're seeing, you know, record number of closures, which are inherently low when you talk about parts per million. Um, and then we have just massive expansion. Even still, you know, the, the whole world is screaming bubble, bubble, shake out, shake out, but we're still growing. And, yeah. and as long as you come to the table with what you need to do, you're going to be able to open. Now, I think we're running out of true home brewers that have been doing it 10 years and, you know, running a successful business in this lane and are able to pivot in. I think we're running real short on that. Okay. And then so... You know, we'll we'll see where growth comes from there, but meaning like people just getting into. I've been homebrewing for two years, now I'm going to open up my place rather than 10, 15, well, 20 every, years. It's everybody, every yeah. homebrewer's dream yeah. to open up the oh, brewery, yeah. right? Yeah. To run it, and um, but it, but it's more than that. It's more than just knowing homebrewing. Yeah. Well, it's like with anything, right? Like, oh, I'm a good cook. I'm going to open up a restaurant. Well, you should probably know how to run a business, and you know, hire people, and yeah, yeah. It's true. I, I mean, there, there's everything from like leadership to you know, uh, understanding how to, you know, work with municipalities. I mean, in, 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 you know, with, and it's just good business advice, you know, you have to kind of really study what you're about to get into, what it involves, what, what does it take to get a pint of beer from a production into uh, a tap line? What does that involve? Yeah. How many strengths are in your wheelhouse? Do you have someone who's one of your investors or one of your partners that can take that for you? Can you punt that or do you need to learn it? Yeah. You know, and these are a lot of things that, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, pot calling the kettle black here, but, uh, you know, I, I, I learned in the fire and by making mistakes and pissing everyone in the world off. But, you know, um, it's, you know, if you can learn like that, which is the only way I can learn, then, then good. You'll, you, you, you'll get along. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you can't, if, if, if getting kicked in the mouth is, is not for you, then you better know what you're getting into here. And I just, I think that, and I don't think that, like, time itself is, is, is conducive to, you can homebrew for two years and want to open up a brewery and still do a good job. Yeah. You know, I've, it, doing it 15 years doesn't matter. I just, I, I guess what I meant to, to, to clarify there is just people with just, who love the grind, the passion, the people who just care this much, you know, like the people I talk to are what fuels my fire. I'm not, I'm not fueled by, you know, the desire to be a millionaire. Anyone who's met me will know that I, I, I have no care for it. Yeah. Um, what drives me is is conversations like this, seeing the look on other people's eyes when they when they first hit a thousand barrels, when they first kill a, a killer beer style, like these the, the stories of accomplishment and o- overcoming, and you know, like in camaraderie, like that's all of it, right? Yeah. So I just think we're running out of that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too. One thing that I, I mean, I've been doing this podcast or 
about a year and a half now, right? So from the time I first recorded the first episode with Mother Road till now, it's been about a year and a half. Um, and up until about three months ago, I didn't really pinpoint the thing that I love so much about it. But I grew up in around Youngstown, Ohio, blue collar, steel city, right? So I'm, I've got that blue collar foundation. But I also like creativity. I like art, right? So I think craft beer is that perfect blending oh. of... You have to be creative, Absolutely. but you then you got to do the work. You mm-hmm. got to fucking sweat your ass off inside that place, you know? I think it's a perfect blend, and that's that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah, Deb from New Glarus at the keynote, she said she had something really intriguing. She's like, people are scared of success not because they don't know how to find it. People are scared of success because often it wears overalls and looks like work. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's very good, yeah. And, and, and she's not wrong. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you can have the best idea in the world, but if you're not willing to execute it and put in that work and that, like you said, the grind yep. and yeah. sacrifice shit. Yeah. You can't cheat the grind. No. No, you cannot. No, no one knows that better than Dan. He yeah. grinds harder than I see anyone else grinding yeah. in this industry, dude. You just front to back all day. <laughs> and, and, and again, you can't skip leg day, you know? So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Every day is a leg day for you, though, too, then, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so... All right, craft beer, it's basically just grown. I, maybe I've just noticed it in Arizona because I really haven't gone elsewhere. But maybe, like you said, the communication levels have risen, so everyone's kind of seeing what everybody else is doing. We're, right? we're definitely on the rise specifically in the last, like, four or five years. I mean, yeah. you, you go from, from 2011, I think we had, like, what, 46 licenses? And yeah. then so we're, what, seven years forward and, you know, have nearly 70 more breweries or 60 yeah. more. I mean, no one correct that math, please. Uh, (laughs) but you know it's it's tremendous more in volume and uh you know transplants are definitely helping with that you know there's there's some corporate buy-ins um not just four peaks elephant in the room i mean there's a few others you know that no one really talks about and you know then investment firms get involved and you know um so you start to see some you know uh when when investment firms and again I, i think it came back to i think arizona legislature finally got sold on the segment right and uh, you know, Rob Fulmer has been a huge proponent of pushing in the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild into, you know, interacting with the legislature, you know, getting to know your, your fellow congressmen and stuff like that. And these guys now unequivocally understand what we're contributing. You know, when, when you talk about craft breweries, you talk about jobs and you talk about opportunity. It's not just a bunch of guys making beer and getting drunk. Right. It's definitely also that. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what it is is it's, it's, it's this great you know, force for, you know, creating jobs, especially at our growth. And, you know, it was actually a a senator at the keynote that said that, you know, we need to fight to keep the excise tax break permanent. You know, when was the last time you heard a senator screaming to to cut more taxes? Yeah. You know, uh, and it's just, it's, it's insanely interesting how we've caught the attention of investors in Arizona, of politicians. And I think that that, I think that the guild becoming stronger, more unified, I think that, I think that, you know, when, when we talk about the guild, we talk about its membership and how people are, are more unified. You know, you know, Leah Huss had a, a, a fight at Uptown. You know, she sent an email out. You know, her brewery partners came and supported her, you know, and and showed the community that other people cared about, you know, them being successful along with everyone else. Yeah. And they just wanted a fair fight in the market. They didn't want special treatment. They just wanted to have their, their bar license just go un, you know, unbothered, you know, through the process. And that almost got hindered because of, you know, um, some complaints in the area that were, in my opinion, extremely unfounded. And it's things like that, right, that I think have made the Arizona beer community stronger and faster and quicker is because once you sell the segment, 
Arizona craft beer, right? Yeah. You know, no longer are the days where I just have to see in every chat, Arizona beer sucks. Arizona, Arizona's not making anything great. But just where people are listing off their favorite breweries. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, 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 and no one's ever going to agree. I mean, we can just agree to that at least. <laughs> right. But it's, it's finally, the tide's turning, right? Yeah. We're starting to see pride in what we're doing here. Yeah. We're starting to see people vehemently dig heels in and say, no, thank you. We have that here. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and I've heard that too, because like, I haven't gone out a lot. I was in Maine uh, about a year ago and they've had some really good breweries out there, you know, Bissell Brothers and some of those bigger ones. Um, But I've heard a lot of people say like, now, like we get things from uh, whatever Monkish or Trillium or whatever it is. And I'm like, man, how is that? Like, I'm like, oh, it's like the golden, you know, they're like, dude, we've got stuff here that's just as good as that. I'm like, okay. So it kind of level, kind of lowers that, um, that up on a pedestal because I've never had it to like, Hey, we're making fucking badass beer here in Arizona. It's the you golden know? age for beer. You yeah. really don't have to go beer hunting right. any longer. It's not, yeah. it's not, I mean, when I got into the beer game, uh, I remember being the bottle hunter and chasing everything. And then yeah. at BevMo, mm-hmm. I was the beer buyer there so I could squirrel away bottles for myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now, now if you miss something, there's there's going to be another good one. Yeah. Um, and and then there's also just good everyday beer too. Good yeah. solid stuff. Yeah. Well, like Sierra Nevada, like that's something that's like, I love Sierra Nevada. Like that's kind of like my go-to. I call it maintenance beer. I don't know if it's maintenance beer because it's kind of strong for maintenance beer, but you know, I have a high tolerance. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just say, I was like, seems fun to me. Yeah. yeah exactly. As long as you're sticking to pale ale, nothing like oh, tripping yeah. into the woods or anything. No, no, exactly. Yeah, Ben's actually my neighbor. Uh, so it's, uh, it's always fun to go over to his house and, you know, uh, just drink anything in his fridge because, you know, Sierra Mata is just stellar brewery. Is he the rep out here? Yeah, he's the he's actually the area manager. Right here. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, he's, uh, he's he's been around a long time. He used to he actually used to work for Home Brew Mart way way back in the day. Uh, Worked for a couple of local breweries and Sierra Nevada scooped him up. Yeah, a decade ago. But he's he's a solid dude. And I remember working with him early on in the game. And yeah, he's he's good people, man. So what do you guys think is the biggest? Like, what is the biggest competitor to craft beer? Because you hear big beer, you hear wine, you hear spirits. Like, what what is? Because I don't think breweries are competitors to breweries. It's almost like like people say, "What is it?" I uh, think it's quality. Okay. I think quality is the is the biggest thing that can attack beer. Okay. Because anybody can make beer, um, but not everybody's going to pay that attention to the quality. And yeah. and when you send it out to the public, and and the public comes by and. They drink a beer that was rushed through, or um, not up, not up to this, to what standards should be, yeah. and they, it, the public accepts it um, that that that's the way it should be. They're not going to come back as much. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So it's it's more internal, like it's like make good shit, and yeah. Well, and you know, you go into places like like Bevmo, and I went to Bevmo and went to get a. Uh, 12 pack of Sierra Nevada. This was like three months ago, and or uh, like three weeks ago, and there it was made in like October or something like that. And I was like, what? Like you know? So the, I think that and people get that and they grab it and like, oh man, I don't really like Sierra Nevada. Well, like you didn't get Sierra Nevada. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. When I when I went in and I got the beer department, the first thing that I went did was I went through and I cleaned my shelves of beer. I filled up six and a half grocery carts full of bad beer, stuck yeah. it in the back, and just cleaned things up because, yeah. I mean, especially, I remember back then uh, looking at Ballast Point long before I ever dreamt of working there. Yeah. And 
there were two different kinds of sculpin. There was fresh sculpin, and then there was old sculpin. Yeah. <laughs> and granted, I mean... Not they, labeled, though. No, it no. It wasn't labeled as fresh and old. No. <laughs> um, and, and especially being a premium product, when people lay down that kind of money for something, and they get it home, and it's, it's not the way it was intended to be, they're not going to dish that, that money out again. That, right. Not just that brand, but the entire line is going to suffer. Yeah. Um, but when the beer is treated properly... And it's it's a hundred percent. Then it's worth that investment. It's worth treating yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it, and I think a lot of breweries are gearing away from uh, growlers for that reason too, right? They want to do crowlers, better seal rather than somebody grabbing a growler and opening it and then closing it and someone drinking it two days later. I'm like, oh man, their beer shit. Well, actually, it isn't shit. This guy just didn't know how to store it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Right? The, the one of the things that I love too. Um, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough to work for breweries that I, I believe in the product. I believe in everything behind it. Uh, the, the lab at Ballast Point. Yeah. Every batch of beer gets touched 330 different times from grain to glass. Uh, wow. and, and they put over a million dollars into the lab. Uh, each, each, they've got equipment there like CSI level equipment where they take thumbprints of the beer. And if it's not, not to quality, then it gets dumped or yeah. it doesn't see the market. Um, and that's key. Like, you can't be the brewery that just ships it anyways. Right. You can't right. afford to sell bad beer. Yeah. That's what Doc from uh, Pedal House said. He's like, dude, he's like, not enough people to dump beer. It's like, you should dump it. If it's shit, dump it. Yeah. But, uh, guys, thanks for joining. This, this has no, been great. I mean, we've, we've had conversations before, and I wanted to get you guys on the show. So I appreciate it. I appreciate anything you guys want to part with. Website? Do you guys have a? Is there a Stonecutters website? We have a Facebook page. Okay. Stonecutters Industries. Okay. Uh, there's Instagram. Stonecutters Stone Stone Duo. No, no, this is a Sun Gold Tattoo and Barber, a really oh, cool uh, nice. tattoo and barber place. I think uh, that gives you beer when you hang lot. out there. I think my buddy Justin Cross has uh, beer. That's on how top I found there, out right? about yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. Nice. That's pretty cool. It looked like a C, but it's a G. Yeah. No, but this is a Stonecutters ring. Oh, dude, that's badass. I could just see that on somebody's forehead, like, <laughs> unconscious on the ground. <laughs> Stonecutters Facebook. Um, yeah, 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 no, I mean, we're, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you just look up Stonecutter Stonecutters Industries. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying not to shit the bed as we get launched. Uh, I'd say if you care, uh, stay, stay uh, take a look at it. Uh, if you don't, we're going to be obnoxious enough soon enough. You're going to hear it. So, um <laughs> No, just um, go with it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. No, if nothing else, I just you know um, we're like I said we're getting uh, started on Beard War Three. Just support it; it's a great cause. Yeah. Details will be out soon on all the Stonecutters information. Yeah. Awesome. Check it out, and if you don't, it's okay. That's right. I'm not your brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys, appreciate this. This is awesome. Thank you.